Next Chapter Podcasts. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend. The king of these for Angelo talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end. I love you, baby. More than you'll ever know More than you'll ever know The song is I Love You More Than You'll Ever Know. It's by Blood, Sweat, and Tears from the record Father is a Child to the Man from 1968. It's also number 266 out of 500 on The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, everybody? My name is Josh Adam Myers. I am a stand-up comedian. I know about music, but not a lot. So what am I doing? I am going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. Uh, We're working our way down, and it's been a thing. It's a thing. Uh, Subscribe to the Patreon. There's a lot of great people that work on the show. Pay $5 a month. And you get to support this journey. I really want to finish this, man. I uh, I was about to quit. I, I for real was about to quit. Me and Jeremiah were talking and Emily was getting frustrated with me. And I was about to quit. But I, I really want to do this for Angelo. I want to do this for um, just, I mean, I think that would be so fucking cool. Like, think about all the press we're going to get when we finish this. Uh, I'm not quitting. I'm going to keep going. And it's because of episodes like this. You get an episode like, I didn't think this, I thought this one was going to suck. I was so, ah, uh, just like, I don't know anything about blood, sweat, and tears. How am I going to talk to one to the fucking band leader? And and he was one of the coolest guys I've ever had. For real. Like, I, I mean this sincerely, dude. Bobby came on. I, I was telling Jeremiah, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And, and dude, like, fucking... It's it just within a minute, I was like, oh, this is going to be one of the best episodes we've ever done. If you don't know who he is, he's a composer, drummer, and longtime band leader of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I mean, one album, best album of the year for the Grammys, headline Woodstock. And there's an incredible documentary that I watched that I didn't watch when I recorded this, but I watched later that night called What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears, which Bobby co-wrote the score for. This was one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. So enjoy this, guys. Uh, I got to do my plugs. I got to do my plugs. I'm a little out of order today. But, you know, sometimes you're just a little out of order, Josh. Aren't you? You make me so fucking happy. I told Bill. I started singing that to Burr. And Burr said he used to work in a warehouse and sing that. They used to be like, you make me so fucking happy. All right, this weekend, everybody, I'm at the Port Comedy Club in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I will be in L.A. at the end of the month on uh, May 28th and the 29th. We're doing a jam and shimmy Memorial Day weekend. I will be at the Dead Crow Comedy Room in Wilmington, North Carolina, June 9th and the 10th. 
And I will be at the Jacksonville Comedy Zone June 29th through July 1st. And I'll be at Montreal for a short period of time uh, at the end of the month for the festival. And I'm going to be gone on the road. So we're stacking episodes right now. July 28th through October 15th. The Backroad Baptism Tour with Jelly Roll. I cannot wait. Bringing my band an arena near you. Make sure you're there. And go to joshadamyers.com for tickets. And go to at Josh Adam Myers on all Soch. All right. Subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, however you listen to it. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite episodes, 266, Father is a Child to the Man by Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I was told that you are... Josh, you yeah. are a stand-up comic. I am. Right. So am. Here, here's to open for my band. Ready? Yeah, go ahead. Robert Klein, Albert Brooks, and Billy Crystal. These are all friends of mine. Love and, it. I love it. And my brother managed and discovered Michael Keaton. I can go down a list. Whoa. So, so my life is as uh, surrounded by comics as it is you know, musicians. It's weird. It's crazy. That's well, cool. I walk the line. I walk the line between comedian and musician. My most of my stand up is musical and with or without a band. I ha- have a band. Well, Klein I have a that. band. I I but created a show. Yeah, yeah. He's great. I do. Yeah. I mean, genius. <laughs> for yeah. years, I've watched every one of his specials. I can't yeah. stop my leg from oh, yeah. moving. That's my leg man. won't stop. I, I I know. Trust me. I've I've gotten high and watched a lot of Robert Klein. Yeah. Just give that leg bit. Yeah, Billy yeah. Crystal. My my parents went out to eat with him uh, years ago in California because they're friends with. Um, oh, who's the guy that did the new Star Wars? Oh my God! I can't think of his Tim name. Meadows? Jewish kid. Oh. No, n- Tim Meadows. What are you talking about? Tim Meadows, Jewish. I don't think Jewish. So. <laughs> Black Jew. <laughs> it happens. Sammy Davis Jr. Sure. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish is now Jewish. People That's they right. convert. We, we rule, dude. You know why wouldn't you be to go on a date with her? I mean, I, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But um, what we talk about? Oh, so I everything I because I was a musician growing up. I was in bands. Music's like this beautiful, beautiful thing. I play, I mean, I, I'm, I'm about a C at about 12 instruments. Like I'll pick it up and I'll just figure C, like out it. C enough. minus or C plus? Is it C, C minus. C has a big C range. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. C plus means like, but I can read music and I, I just I can. know. I can. So you're all really? out of me. You know? Are you serious? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completely. All right. Keep yeah. a list, Jer, of how much I'm I'm better. He's got the records behind him. <laughs> this is, by the way, not an affectation. This was my office long before the Zoom shit, you know. Yeah, right, dude. I don't blame yeah, you. Right. I don't blame yeah. you. Come on. Let me get my album of the year Grammy up there right behind you. Hang on, let me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were. I thought that was a request. Yeah, sorry, I mean, I, 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 pull it out later. Pull it out for sure. But, but the because I always say like comedy and music is, is like, exactly the it's, same. it's exactly it's the same. It's rhythm. It's timing. It's, 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 it's length. It's, it's measures. I, I explained to someone the other day when I had to do like this 10 minute interviews over the course of two hours yeah. and the guy's explaining to me, very nice guy said, so you understand you can't tell a very long story. And I said, I was on entertainment tonight. I was on the CBS Morning, but I was on television for years. I teach that stuff. I said, so a soundbite is four bars, a good soundbite. 
Yeah. That's the yeah. of a good sound bite. And you have to have one of these. You got one of those. So when you're editing, you have to have one of those to It's the same. I go to see Billy Joel constantly. I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. He plays at Madison Square Garden. I take mushrooms. I go and and it just is like a pilgrimage I do every month. And a wonderful sense of humor, by the way. That's what I was about to say. He kills it every show. Well, Billy Crystal's first show was was in uh, Scranton with Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and he told the story. No, no, it's in a book. I, I mean, I'll send you the link. It's in a book. And, and it was part of like a, a thing he did on the John Stewart show years ago. And he says, he comes out, he's excited. I got $500. I would have paid to do this. And he's all excited. And he comes on stage and he does his bit. And he's terrific. And then he goes off and our singer does one of these, what the fuck? And throws the mic down because the monitor wasn't good and bails. So I run off and I, <laughs> I go to Billy, Billy, you got to go. He says, I, I, I don't have any. I said, it's just, just, just stall. Just come on. So he comes out and he says, so where are you from? Oh, it's great. And where are you from? He does one of those. Yeah. And then finally David gets back in. He does one of these must come. Fuck. <laughs> he bails. And I go get Billy and he says, I can't. I, I already know where they're from. <laughs> <laughs> He's also so brilliant. Let me give you, I'm sorry. Please. No, 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 dude, time. please. Okay. This is okay. great. He's he's so he had an office at Castle Rock and I knew all those guys for years and years. Uh, and and they do screenings of their films. And I had weirdly enough, I knew I was invited to one and I had a dream about Billy. So I show up at the screening and he's there with his wife, Janice. I said, hey, you know, I had a dream about you last night. And he goes, seriously? I go, yeah, yeah. But it was I mean, it's not funny. It's, it's just a little moment. He said, what was it? I said, you were sitting down, you were playing drums, and you were kind of looking over your shoulder, and I was standing behind you, and you said, how am I doing? And I said, you could just lower your shoulder and relax a little bit. And I said, that's all I can remember. He says, what was I wearing? I said, I don't know. He goes, because I usually get to keep my wardrobe. <laughs> I mean, how fast is that? That's, a, that's easy. Dude, oh, when you're when you're dealing, well, you're yeah. you know, I I see it, I see it with comedians that I work with constantly at the Comedy Cellar, like Dave Attell. I mean, every word that comes out of his mouth is a joke, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. it's like, and then you'll he'll do these riffs, like almost like jazz, you yeah. know, when when you're watching like those old videos, like Miles playing with you know his his quintet, and and they're just trading licks. You know, Attell will bring up two other comics on some nights and oh, just and just great. talk to them. And, and then you trade fours. And, yeah. And they're just that's setting great. each other up like, you know, well, what's your favorite porn? And then Dave's got two jokes. And then what's your this? And it's just brilliant. And then oh, you call Reiner and Mel Brooks. How about I that? mean, yeah, those are two. That's how it started. That's literally the. The yeah. pinnacle of of like of what all, you know, I mean, I yeah. wouldn't say L.A. comedy, but definitely New York comedy still has that that like, you know, yearning for the days of the of the Catskills or, you know, the old just the vaudeville shit. It's still there. hang out in the Catskills. I have not. I have not. I did. 
Well, dude, I, I want to get, let's get to know you. I want, let's get, because this is what, I, before Jeremiah hit record, I was setting up everybody this beautiful, beautiful thing about how this undertaking for doing this podcast has led me into records that I, I had heard of or knew about the band, but I had never listened to the record. So Blood, Sweat and Tears was a band that I just saw in the ecosystem of music where they would, the name would pop up. I like to look at lists. I was like, oh my God, they won, you know, this, this one, they won these Grammys and this happened. You know, I know the hits. I know like the big hits, you know, like you make me feel so very happy, like shit like that. But it's like, this is the first record by the group I have ever listened to. Mm-hmm. And 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 one, I'll just say out of the jump, it, it is incredible um, for a first time listener. And it wasn't what I was expecting at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love for you just to take us back, you know, before we even get into this record. Because what okay. I'm hoping is I want to know about like your first meeting with the 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 group of guys that would go on to become Blood, Sweat and Tears. And like, well, what was going I go on in your life? My, like go anywhere. Day Is one you, kind of thing. Go okay. day, dude. Go go day okay. negative three. Uh, you take us. <laughs> I was born in a shed in no, East no, Brooklyn. I said, "What is that?" And someone said, "Penis." <laughs> someone, wow. <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. I I knew already. Anyway, yeah, so, you came out like, "Hey, you like yeah, that?" <laughs> check it out. So, so I'm I'm um growing up in New York City. I'm in Washington Heights. I near okay. the Panthers. Yeah. And I go to Stuyvesant High School, I go to City College, but I have a father who was born in 1889. Good God. Yeah. Whose father, my paternal grandfather, was born 10 years before the assassination of Lincoln. Holy shit. No, I'm dead serious. (laughs) It's strange. And my mom was born in 1907. And very Jewish, by the way. Ashkenazi, you know, 100%, you know. Yeah. So Gollumbeck was the name in the old country. And my father was an opera singer and he sang with Caruso. And my oh, mom, wow. you know, concert, uh, a piano. Anyway, so I grew up in a household of two brothers much older than me, 16 and 17 years older than me. The older brother, Jules Columbia, jazz trumpet player, self-taught. His best friend is the guy hanging on your wall. That was his, that was his dear friend. In fact, Miles did two albums using my brother's trumpet. Oh my God. That's, that's, that's fucking right. right. That's so that's so cool. So my other brother, who later in life finds Michael Keaton, but early in life is a high school teacher. And he decides to bring jazz into his high school, Far Rockaway, I think it was. And he decides Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. That's gonna be his his group that he's gonna he's gonna bring. And he's still nervous about Art Blakey showing up or not. So he goes down to the Vanguard, great jazz club you all know about. Yeah. And he just goes to Art just to tell him, don't forget, you know, tomorrow, here's the address, here's how to get there. And Monk's standing there. And Monk says, hey, you got a short? You got a short? A car, short. And he goes, yeah. And he's obviously a fan. But no one at that point is really knows a lot about Thelonious Monk. This is before his entire resurgence of the cover of Time Magazine. This is way before. Yeah. He says, hey, man, you got to show it. Yeah, you're Jules, brother Harry. Yeah, yeah. He went to, you know, I need to ride home. Cool. So my brother's all excited, gets in his car with only a monk next to him. He's driving. And a monk says, you're a teacher. And Harry says, uh-huh. And he goes, you're honest. He says, oh, I hope so. You want to manage me? 
And my brother Harry managed him for 14 years. No Whoa. shit. So I had, for all intents and purposes, Beethoven and Bach in my living room all the time. And I'm a little kid growing up listening to nothing but jazz. That's yeah. all I'm hearing. And, uh, the Bill Evans, uh, Train, uh, uh, Horace Silver, obviously Miles. You know, anyway. So that's all I'm hearing. Pop music to me, I cannot figure out why anyone would like. It, it just, it had nothing going for it. It was just kind of same chords, very obvious, not sure what the guy's singing, way out of tune. You know, like a, like a lot of those records were kind of, you know, not for me. Yeah. So <clears throat> I realized one of the things that's great about jazz is the spontaneity and and just this, you know, like, are you really composing music on the spot? That's what that's what you're supposed to really be doing when you're a good jazz player. So that's all I'm listening to. But, you know, there's another thing about jazz. If you're a young white kid like me, you ain't ever going to get laid. Ever playing jazz. <laughs> never going to happen. Wait, 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 wait when are you, when are you getting really into it? Like, how old are you? Because I'm, gonna, I'm 16, I'm 17. Yeah. And I'm listening to the, I'm, I'm in Stuyvesant High School, which is a math science school. Mm -hmm. We're playing drums already. Self-taught, just kind of fucking around the house, you know. And then I get fixated on this one piece of music, Tad Dameron. And the song is called Philly JJ. And it features Philly Joe Jones and Clifford Brown. Trump. Yeah. And I'm, I think at this point, actually 11. And I just hear this piece of music. I got to do that. And because everyone was hanging out in my mom's apartment, there was a little piano, album jackets and a pair of brushes. So people would keep time while other people would be playing and, and doing stuff. And I go, okay, I want to do that. Yeah. I would just put together some weird drum. I don't know. It's not a drum set, but it's something I can bang on that has different types of sounds. Yeah. Pots, yeah. pans, whatever you yeah. get your hands on. Yeah. No, there's actually a game with a metal rim and a plastic head and a birdie and you go boom boom and you kind of hit i tied those to a floor standing ashtray my a lamp was the symbol i found an old army navy store snare drum that i had to cover because i lived in a, an apartment with where you literally said god bless you when your neighbor <laughs> yeah dude. It, was, it was insane that was my la experience my new york i'm <laughs> yeah. in gramercy now nobody here it's i don't it's know a, how they don't brick. fucking hear me brick. i don't know it's a, i'm on 22nd and first in I la the building the you know it's a i want to say 20s 30s 40s gotta be yeah. maybe yeah. but, but were, um yeah. but but here's the thing bobby in la if you i remember i I remember I would like walk to the bathroom and I'd get a text from my downstairs neighbor and there was carpeting. So, but I know exactly what you're saying. I, I, she I took banged the ceiling, right? Oh, she hated me. Well, she well, hated well, me. Speaking of banging the ceiling, my neighbor beneath me, when I had this, like a little drum set where I could actually play, would bang up with, with a broomstick or her cane and yeah. I would create fours with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't inspire me. You know, she didn't realize it. But anyway, yeah. so so but it, it was so I'm growing up in this environment, but I want to get laid. So I'm hanging around in like in the West Village on Bleaker yeah. Street. Everything is going on down there. And I meet Steve Katz. Steve Katz owns a guitar <laughs> and, and also plays it. And so so he, he's my friend, very funny, very nice guy. Um, he was in a band called The Blues Project. 
and Al Cooper was in the Blues Project. They hated each other. Al leaves, and the band's about to break up anyway. And I get this idea. Like, some of my friends went to the high school of music and art. It, it, you know, Eddie Gomez, the bass player, LaFred Lipsius, the alto player. They had such a good quintet in that senior year that Aaron Copeland wrote a piece of music for that jazz group in high oh, wow. school. I mean, that's how badass these guys were. That is badass. So, so, so I wanted to kind of combine, okay, what is it I didn't like about pop music? The stupid guitar solos that didn't do anything, songs that had like the same changes. But I love the presentation of pop music. So no one's drooling on their shirt. I mean, they're actually performing. Yeah. Something jazz wasn't, you know, and most of the jazz players, except for Dizzy and Cannonball and, and Louis Armstrong, I mean, they didn't really perform, you know? So, I mean, they were playing for the bass player or playing for the Sure, other. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was oh, like they're just, listening. They're just, yeah. you know. It's wonderful. But if, but if you paid to go in, you want to feel like, hello, we're out here, you know? Yeah, 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 so, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, uh, I get this idea about, I want to put a band together. And I'm hanging around the village. And luckily for me, there aren't any drummers. They're all the worst guitar player in the group ends up playing drums. Or the kid whose father has the most money that can buy a drum set and has a garage they can rehearse. And that's sure. the drummer. So I'm down there, you know, and I could play jazz a little bit, right? Because I learned to, by fixating on this one piece of music, which was so hard. It was so difficult. No yeah. one said to me, dude, start with paradiddles. What are you doing? I just started <laughs> playing all this like really tough shit. Yeah. So, anyway, the band, um, I'm hanging around the village and I meet Al Cooper's bright and, you know, a brill building, hustling, songwriting guy mm -hmm. and, and, and knows the business is, uh, is really funny and, and understands how to like, be zealot, you know, be in the room when stuff's going on, like show up here. There's something going on here. Show up there. And he, he, he asked me, he said, look, I, I'm done here. I want to go to England. I want to be a producer, but I have no money. Would you play with me? Cause I'm going to do a fundraiser over the weekend at the cafe. O go, go. And would you play with me? I got a bass player that I met in California I said, hey, you know what? You should get Steve to play with you. He won't play with me. I can't stand him. He, I said, yeah. wait. Well, and I, I go to Steve. I said, Steve, you're a little young to hold grudges. You know, like, well, he won't let me play. I said, I'll, I'll put it together. It'll be fine. So we do it. And the four of us play this weekend. And like, I don't know, no one shows up. And, and he doesn't make a whole lot of money. But he had a couple of tunes I really liked. So I'm playing with Odetta in Washington, D.C., and I call Steve. I said, Steve, why don't you call Al, now that you're friends, and ask if we can use some of the songs we did for his fundraiser for the band that I want to put together. And he goes, okay. And of course, the next day he calls. Great news. He said, absolutely. I said, fantastic. We have a start. And he goes, and, and I'm, I'm about to hang up. Well, wait. And he wants to be in the band. Okay. <laughs> but no, well, he's not my favorite singer on earth, you know. Sure, sure. And, and, and I'm going, okay. And there's a name, and we have a gig, and I'm going, holy shit, this guy. Wow. He says, okay, we got a band. Let's go. <laughs> 
So, so what he does is he gets us a record deal. I would never have gotten a record deal. He would. I'm he was not, that guy. No, I know all those people. Guy. I'm kind of that dude too. I've sold a TV show, a podcast. That's I'm, amazing I, to me. You just, you just like, dude. You get people excited. You know how to bring people together. You're in the right place at the right time. Right. Yeah, right. and he's one of them. He's totally one of them. And 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 I'm. I learned fast. I mean, eventually I figured it out, but I'm. I'm, I'm just, you know, meeting all, all these people and it's a whole new world. And he hires or someone hires John Simon, who is a really professional, great producer. Yeah. Knows his shit. And we go in the studio. We do an audition tape. I'm, I'm not sure why. And then, and Al's really taking it over. I mean, it's it's his band at this point. And I'm sure. Okay. But, but he came in, but he, you're saying, but he came in with the name, the songs, the everything. deal, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's, he's the, yeah, yeah. That's yeah he's excited. That's and I'm like, okay, I'm the drummer. Yeah. But there were certain things going on on that record that I can confess to you about. Please. I felt like having an overture with an orc strings playing the songs on the record was as pretentious as, as I, I couldn't even believe they were going to do this. And Al just wanted to hear some of his his songs as well as you know like the other songs he picked orchestrated, and I'm how do I offset this? I got an idea. I said, guys, could you set up two mics in the back of the room, like over there, over there? Sure, like you know, like two separate tracks. Yeah, yeah sure, thanks. And I go out, even though the laugher wishes to remain anonymous. <laughs> I start screaming, laughing. And the idea is the string uh, group is playing at an, at an asylum. And one of the inmates breaks free and starts running in the back of the room, hysterical out of his mind. Yeah. That's what I was envisioning when I'm going back and forth, screaming and laughing to offset the pretentiousness of the strings. Yeah. That's one thing. And then he does another song where we're not even there. We're not even on the album. They, like he just does the thing with a string quartet, just with him. And I'm thinking, this is not a guy that wants to be in a band. This is a guy that's using this as a stepping stone for a solo career. Sure, sure. Unless yeah, yeah, I could see that. Unless it's really, really successful. And then he'll you know, hang out for another record or two. It's obvious to me what's going on. And Randy Brecker, who's, I, I don't know about you guys, he's my favorite trumpet player. He's, He's, he's got Miles, he got Freddie Hubbard, and yeah. definitely his own voice. His tone is gorgeous. He's an amazing trumpet player to this day. He plays about four bars on that album. And this, to me, the idea of a band like this was to let the best players play, yeah. to really feature them. And Al, Al didn't even think like that. He was like, no, I want to make this record. So it was... It, a lot of different songs, a lot of his songs, really good songs. And we did the album eight days, nine days, and we were in and out, you know. But I watched John Simon had to punch in, which you all know what that means. He's punching in syllables to get Al to sing in tune. So, so it sounds acceptable. And I'm thinking, how are we going to go on the road with this guy? And I'm not verbally you know, bitching, but I'm thinking these things. And then we do a promotional tour and he can't do a lot of shows in a row and he's got a problem with this and 
And the album Stiffs, by the way, it sold about 40,000 albums. It was a complete failure. And that was it. So <clears throat> Steve and I being friends, and I said, Steve, if we're going to be successful with this, we have to get a new singer. We have to get a real singer. We can, Al can stay in the band. You know, I'm, I'm cool with that. But, but we really need a singer. Yeah. And, and so, so we call a band meeting. Al's interpretation of that was he was, he called a meeting to fire Steve. <laughs> I, none of us knew about that part of it. And then, and we go in and we have the meeting and I said, Al, we, you know, we got to really have a singer. If we, you know, if this thing's going to be successful, they can get on the radio. And he went, it's me or I walk. I went, don't know what else to say. Yeah. Yeah. And Clive Davis uh, and I talk and he said, what do you think? And I said, I think I can get the band that I've always hoped I, I can get now. You know, just give me a couple of bucks so I can keep everyone afloat. And Dick Halligan, the trombone player, comes up to me and says, by the way, I'm a much better organ player than Al. And we, and we never even rehearsed with him. He, he knew every he was great, you know. Yeah. So, so it was that kind of, you know, like if you get great musicians, life gets a lot easier. And we had wonderful musicians. And Al went on to be an A&R guy, which is really what he's good at. You know, I mean, he's he's got his tentacles everywhere all the time. He hangs out with pop writers so they can always write nice things about it. You know, good for him. I have no animosity to Al. I mean, he's... he's it he's, seems like it. Y'all both produced some big albums. I mean, yeah. he did with Leonard Skinner. Uh -huh. He was there with them for the first three albums. Did I see right? I have no idea. Yeah, I know that. We, <laughs> I do made I me do. laugh for some reason. Oh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I can give a fuck. <laughs> no, 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 I give no, a fuck, I but, but I wasn't tracking his career. I mean, however, yeah. when I got a, a day gig at Epic, I hired him twice as a producer. It's cool. So that is very cool. No animosity, not for me. No, there's one thing he's very angry about. What is that? He claims that, and and I get for him, it's a good narrative that. If the name Blood, Sweat, Tears came from him jamming late at night with B.B. King and blood on his hands and sweating and crying the blues. Okay, the story I know in those days, albums would fill up your room. They would just pile up. You get all these records. And someone asked him, what's the name of the band? He looked down and there was a Johnny Cash album called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And he said, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Now, he says, that's complete nonsense. How would I know there's a Johnny Cash album named Blood, Sweat, and Tears? You think in my record collection, I have a lot of Johnny Cash records? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think so. So I'm innocently saying, no, that's well, Al told me that. That's how, how it got its name. But I said, no, I was bleeding playing with B.B. King late at night. And I went, you know, like <laughs> whatever story. It's a great name, man. I mean, to I come wrote in. It down. I wrote yeah. it down. Steve says Blood, Sweat, and Tears. I went, what? I said, Winston Churchill? Wait, there's toil is in there. There's supposed to be a toil in there. Let's wear toil in there. And he says, no, I'll just, then I said, all right, you know. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.
Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. What was it like? What was it like when you're saying these two members, Al and uh, I forgot the other guy's name, they, that they did not Steve and they Steve. didn't get along. How they did they the Moose project together? So, but how did they make it work then? Like if they really didn't like each other, like, well, how do you I, do that? Because it's I, tough. It's tough I, in comedy. I, well, actually the next version of the band had another real problem, which was our lead singer and Steve didn't like each other at all. And that went on for years. And I was like, and I was the band leader, so I was like, "Cool it, guys!" But I, you know, it was a it was a mess. But I I don't it like um, it musically. Al had his agenda. It it didn't matter. Steve was yeah. there, and 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 he I guess didn't love his playing. That's why a lot of the of Steve's solos on that first album are backwards. Hmm. You know? Interesting. I really wish I would have listened to the record after this because I know that's I know spinning wheels. I know you've made me so very happy, um, but I, I just find it so interesting that that's the album that won album of the year. But child Why? is the father. Well, because it's <laughs> just but child is the father uh, to the man is on the 500 greatest albums list. That's on Rolling Stone. I know. I know. I know. No, yeah, I look, yeah. man, I'm a new fan. I got that. <laughs> I'm Did new you? to this. No, I know. But well, wait, did you see the movie? I did not see the movie. I, see I, 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 I want to now, dude. After meeting you now, you have and you're, you have I'm, to I'm see gonna, the I'm movie. gonna, dude. Me and, and you are friends. And we're hanging, and we're gonna talk about this. And you will, and you will go, holy smokes, because it's a whole that band. That yeah, tell band. me, tell me the story, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm having so much fun just listening to you talk. Okay. Like, right, please sorry. just do another half hour. You're fine. I got questions, but I don't yeah, give I'm a cool. shit. Don't worry about me. Look at my awards. No, no, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Tina Turner said to me, anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so, um, all right. So after I leaves, I have a conversation with Clive, who was pretty new to the gig at that point. Still, he's a lawyer that gets in there and 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 he was amazingly supportive and nice. And he, I mean, he had nothing to lose. He said, how much will it cost to keep the band together? I said, you know, not that much. And, and you know, I want to pay some salaries and we'll audition people. And then guys kind of change, you know, their position. Uh, we got another trombone player because our trombone player ended up playing organ and 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 but but part of the thing that you'll see that's not in the movie, the great thing about Bus Went Through, and this is what I'm most proud of, actually, with the band, we changed music. We got people to, to start practicing instruments. There are people to this day saying, man, you turn me on to Miles, you turn me on to other kinds of music. That's all I wanted. I just wanted to like spread the word on jazz. And classical music saying, hey, there's other shit out there that's way better or yeah. interesting that I think you'd enjoy. Have a listen. That's what the band was for. And the yeah. fact we had success was a miracle. I was, but we were good. That second band live, when you listen to uh, on the movie, there are no overdubs. There's nothing. I just mixed like eight tracks that they found. And that was a really good band. David sang his ass off. And 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 it was it was different. If he didn't look, if if you look at us, 
you know that we didn't expect to be rock stars because we, I mean, we were the youngest band in history. (laughs) (laughs) Men girls would scream when they'd see us. It's out of fear. It's a complete. (laughs) Put a picture up, Jared, put a picture up of the, of the band. I want to see, cause I I got it on my computer, but I want to, but keep going. Okay. So, so Josh, why don't you explain what the word miskite means? Me, oh fuck! What Miski? Um, I get my Yiddish is a little is it's a little ugly. low. It's homely. It's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah, a yeah, yeah. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> she has a good yeah, personality, yeah. but she's a Miski. <laughs> that, that, that's that you know that's the old expression. So, um, our band, we were just if you look at the way we dressed, uh, uh-uh. oh, there you are. <laughs> uh, not too bad. Oh come on! No, that's that. Well, okay, so so first <laughs> of all, that, okay, that's a newer band already that you're looking at. Um, uh, uh, let me see. Yeah, you guys look like the people that created Microsoft. That's it. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, like, a, like a lot of time, a lot of time in rooms with no windows. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, for sure. Exactly right. And 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 the jazz players, the guys that you know, studied their instrument and. And they didn't know about this world. I didn't know about this world, but yeah. it, came on, it came on fast. But we're not in the in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We sold more records than ninety five percent of the people that are in. Yeah. In fact, I think we affected music and musicians more than I'd say ninety percent of the people in. But Jan Wenner and John Landau, bless their hearts, they were the gatekeepers, and yeah. we were cool. We weren't cool. We went from zero to 100 and we were from New York, not San Francisco or some other place. And yeah, and they just so, you know, when you say Rolling Stones pick in the movie, there's a wonderful writer that was one of the top writers at Rolling Stone at the time, 70. And he's interviewed in this movie. And he, it's really interesting. You should see it. Anyway, back to. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna watch the documentary later tonight after because my it's, shows. It's nothing that. I, I, well, I just found it so interesting because, like, you know, with the amount of research that we have that that Adam gives us, and then I listened to the record all day yesterday, and I'm really vibing. I, I, re- I really liked this record. I oh, wasn't exp- great. I, I had so much fun in that record, but we went in and out. I mean, it was not a, a, a formidable. It had good songs. It was yeah. Silly. But the silliness, I think I I I pushed a lot of silly. Like I'm the guy in House in the Country with the with the with sounds of crickets and yeah. and all that stuff. And like I'm doing sound, maybe, you know, like frog sounds and stuff. I, I was silly. Al always he was a, he was always saying to me, man, wait till we get you a mic and you can tell jokes and you'd be so funny on stage. And I was I'm way too shy to do that. Yeah, I don't think so. I'll I'll be back behind the symbols, you know. Yeah, yeah. Were, were you behind saying, Overture, the first track with the laughter and the that's stuff? Me. That's me. That's him. He said that, that was him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I you. <laughs> yeah, dude. We talked about this for like fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> I, I well, this is what I was found so funny because I want to find out more about like how it evolved more yeah, because yeah. I was in well, shock when you story. But I was I was in shock when you told me that this record only sold forty thousand copies. It was I, a, I'm just far, it was a fa- I would never have left if this was even remotely successful. There's no yeah. way he would have left. He just figured out, ah, you know, it, it ain't happening anyway. And 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 he's probably thinking they're all ingrates, you know, I, you know, I'm this, I, you know, I'm the leader. I put this thing together. He did. And it just didn't work. And yeah. I had my eye on other singers from 
Steve Stills to Stevie Wonder to Lauren Nero. I mean, I had a list of singers that I would love to have had as our lead singer at that point. So, yeah, I I found it uh, shocking to when I was expecting I, I when I like I literally heard I love you more than you'll ever know. And I just yeah. stopped me in my tracks and I was like, good God. Why well, I was playing Tears for Fears right now because I'm about to sing. I love that. I, you know what? I love Tears for Fears. <laughs> they rule, and they're not. I love dude. All the six eight. Dun, 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 dun. It's great. It, it, it's, it's, it's it's great. And I, I'm doing. I'm I'm going to Moon Tower, which is a comedy festival in Austin. And and I was mentioning to you that I combine comedy and music. I do yeah. this very popular show where comedians do stand up, then they sing a cover song with a, with my band. And it's like, a, and I, cause I was in bands and I grew up in that grunge era and I love the hair metal and rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I get to live my fantasy and I'm good at it. And yeah. it's just this wildly popular show. So one of the songs I'm going to sing is head I'm over heels. Need... Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. A little more acne, but that's okay. You're a heavy metal rock guy. Watch but, dude, my face. Why? I know. I know. I, you should see my skincare routine. I'm such a himbo. I am <laughs> such a himbo, dude. If you guys only knew what I did. Oh, it's embarrassing. You should actually start your show with that. with like putting on stuff and. You know, well, I actually, I have another idea. podcast about all of that with another dude. That's another himbo. Sponsored so, by. Spon- dude, oh my yeah. God. We have, it's, it's like, we're, we're getting, the sponsorships are just, they're going to be coming out of the woodwork for oh, like boy. face creams. Bobby, can I challenge one thing? A question yeah. about the jazz not getting you laid. Like, what about on the road, Jack Kerouac? Like, was that a fantasy? Like the romance of all that? What or- did he play? He didn't play anything. Uh, you got it. So <laughs> different world. No, I mean, when you're playing with like a jazz, I have stories about when I would play with little jazz groups. And like we played in Villaggio, Italia, up at Haynes Falls, New York. And it was kind of a mob place back then. And they booked this band out of my college. And I had this guy, Miller was his name. He, he, he was a tenor player that, you know, he loved Coltrane. So he hires this group with, like, Eddie Sears on, on piano was really good, like a Bill Evans player. And Harry Max was the bass player. And we go up, you know, upright, and we go up to play this gig, and it didn't snow. And everyone's really angry because it's a ski lodge. And they're sitting there with their bouffant hair, with their hairdos and, you know, a lot of pasta. And we come up and go, and someone comes up and says, what the fuck? And slams the piano lid on the hands of Eddie Sears. Eddie Sears throws a punch. It's like a Popeye, like a Popeye cartoon. Hits someone, his hand just crumbles, and the guy just looks at him, and we're and we're packing my soft cases, and we're like packing every, and I'm running down the hill, and Harry has his base over his head, and we're sliding down the way, and we throw it in the wagon, and we go, and we just get out of there before we're killed, and then you know Donnie Miller, the guy who, who whose gig it was, says, "I'm gonna sue them." Because they didn't pay us. I'm going to the union. I said, are you out of your mind? <laughs> the union? That's that's them. Relent what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. Jazz is like, I love how you said that about like what instrument did he play? Because listening to jazz is cool as shit. 
It's yeah. the coolest thing ever, man. Like right. it, you're, there's something about a person that's vibing to jazz, understands it. I mean, I listen and to Oscar. And you're alone in a room. <laughs> It's the best. No me and I, just me and Oscar Peterson, and right. I'm just and I'm just having a time. Right. And leader. and and dude, like girl comes over. If you go to like a cool place, there's jazz in the background. It's not too much, and it just feels right. But but jazz musicians are a lot of them obsess over it. If you ever saw the movie uh, Whiplash, which I know you probably have, it has nothing to do with reality. But yes, no, but it doesn't. But it's just like there's some people that are that are that's their that's all they want to do is master that instrument, so they never oh, yeah. leave the house. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's yeah. it's not a very sexual. Like you're thinking, no. remember in uh, in Seinfeld where she's like, yeah, he's hot. The sax guy's hot and heavy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but that dude and, probably is playing. And then he goes down of the on day. her and then goes down <laughs> on her. So you can, then you it's terrible. For his <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing. For his audition. Yeah. That was an awesome episode. But I had two instances in both cases where jazz kept me from getting laid. Stop me. <laughs> one, one is, it's a true story. I mean, these are true stories. I'm... There's a nurse working at the hospital, St. Vincent's, which is diagonally across from the Vanguard. And I kind of ran into her. And, and, and like in those days, if someone said, I'll go out with you, it was tantamount to saying, yeah, we'll have sex. This is the 60s or, you know, the mid 60s. And I thought she was cute and adorable and wonderful. And I thought, Man, I'm gonna have a great night. I'm still living in my mom's apartment, by the way. But this is gonna be, this is gonna be, I can't wait for her. So I'm standing outside the Vanguard, and there's a guy walking across the street in a white suit, and it's dirty. And he's trying to hail a cab. And he's an African-American guy, and his hair's natty, and, and I'm going, oh boy. And he's kind of stumbling out to the street to hail a cab, and they have staggered lights where all the cabs line up and they try and beat everyone so that if the, if there's a, a customer, they're there first. So they're all like kind of lined up. As soon as yeah. they turn green, it's like a race. And then he, and this poor guy's out in the street trying to get a cab and I think he's going to get killed. So I grab him and I pull him back. I go, Hey, miles. And he goes, Hey, I get doing. I said, miles, what are you doing? He goes, that was miles. And he's like, yeah, man. I said, yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going uptown. I said, I have a car, you know, if you want to give you a ride. He goes, yeah, that'd be, that'd be good. And he was kind of fucked up. And I said, well, well, come on. I had a gray Volkswagen. I said, you sit in the back and I'm waiting for someone. Just, just relax, be comfortable. And as soon as she goes, I'll drive you up to like Lexington and you know, 113th. Where she, I, I don't know what he was. I, could, I was guessing what he was doing. At that bar. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, so there she, you know, she comes and she's just, looks great I'm gorgeous yeah. oh man and she gets in the car i open the door and miles is in the back i forget to tell her by the way there's someone <laughs> in the back seat miles goes how you doing and she goes yeah. she just starts she thinks it's a homeless guy that got that found his way into my car i go no 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 he's a friend no 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 he's a friend of mine she's going what and she's comatose she's like in the front seat like this and miles a volkswagen has has an engine in the back. Oh, and wow. My, yeah. And Miles talks like this. So I can't hear him. And he's talking the whole way. And he, like, and, and, and I don't want to go, what? What? Because that's all he's heard <laughs> for years from people. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. I have no idea what he's saying. But I made out on one of the things that I go much faster than you are in your car, in your Volkswagen through Central <laughs> Park. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I know that. <laughs> so so I drop him off. He says, hey, man. 
hey man, thank you. You want to come in? I go, no, no, I, I'm, I want to no, but get laid. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much though. I get back in the car. She says, take me back. I said, oh. No, that was, that was, that was, no, no, no. Just take me back. So that's one instance where jazz completely screwed me. Cock block, yeah, good God. Oh, the second. It's the greatest the trumpet player of all time. I have given the second, which was worse. The second. Take us, take us there, dude. Yeah, yeah, okay. So her name was Natalie Campana. She was like. Oh, she's, she, she pays for our Patreon, right? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm no, kidding. No, but I'm Italian kidding. royalty. I mean, she was gorgeous and. <laughs> You know, she was in town. She's a talent staying. And I think, you know, I'll bring in a talent to a jazz club. It'll be a cool thing to do. So we go again, the Vanguard. And we go down. And she's she's uh, um, elegant. I mean, I mean, she's just really a beautiful woman. So we go in and we sit and the stage is here. The artist is going in this. He's playing this way. And we're on the side. Right. We're on the side of the stage. Yeah. Little table, and it's Charlie Mingus. Oh wow, the big version. Yeah, still and he, Charlie, <laughs> and he's facing like we see his right profile. And he's sitting with his bass. And how 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 bad language can I go? I, I, I oh, dude, say whatever you want. This oh, is oh, you should hear this because, shit that comes out of my mouth because it should be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting with Natalie Trundy Campana. That was the name. If you want to look her up, she was a beautiful, wonderful woman. Um, and she if said, you can spell the way Jeremiah, if you think you can spell that, good job. He's trying yeah, to look yeah. her up, and he's yeah. like, Trundy oh, Campana. You, you, you yeah, don't yeah. know. Oh, you found it? Yeah. Um, no, but she's she's. Um, whoops, is that her? No, that's no. not her. No, no, <laughs> no. But she's also she's cute. She is cute. Yeah, that, that's not far from what this woman looked like, by the way. Anyway. So I'm all excited. I figured, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to, if anything's going to work out because she's so above my station, but it's all cool. So, so Mingus hits the stage. He's staring and there's a, a sailor in his white, you know, in, in, in his uniform. He's sitting there and Mingus is there, hasn't played a note of music yet. And he goes, the fuck are you looking at? To the, to the sailor. And I'm going, What? What the fuck are you? And the guy goes, I'm, I'm, Charlie, I'm just here to hear you. What the fuck? And he goes nuts on the sailor. Natalie goes, huh? like this. Yeah. Turns to her and goes, shut up, cunt. Oh my God. <laughs> I got my arm around going, okay then. It's time to so go. So that's 0 for 2. Yeah. That end of that evening, I mean, I was kissing the back of her neck. I mean, she didn't want any party. Like, good night. Like, get out of here. Did you, know. you see did you see a transition? I guess we're only just talking about this in just, you know, as far as like you weren't I'm assuming you weren't married when you, the second record came out and success oh, started coming, right? Married? I wasn't even no. No. So so did, did did you see a did you see a I mean suddenly you go from this band that sells 40,000 copies to suddenly the next oh, record. Oh, are you going to ask me if if I ran into more women? Yeah. The answer is decidedly yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And the, and the oh, quality man. the quality wasn't great, but I had a, a hard look. I I'm not proud of any of this, but I came up with a formula. It worked like a charm. So first of all, I had long hair and beard. In most towns, you didn't see a lot of people with long hair and beard at that time. In, in New York, you would, but but not, you know, Detroit or, you know, whatever. 
So what I would do in the daytime is I would go to, I'd find a shopping mall where there'd be a woman's shoe store. And I'd walk in and I'd, I'd wait. And invariably, bored women would go into a shoe store yeah. like, during the day. And in walks a very beautiful uh, woman. And I would do, this is so awful. No. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Yes. Um, it's my mom's birthday. And I don't know anything about shoes. And I, can you, I like, you look like about the same size as my mom. Can you help me find <laughs> a nice shoe for my mom? Oh, you're so nice. Yeah, I know that. And then, and then it goes to, uh, uh, listen, uh, um, you don't look like you're from here. No, no, I'm playing at the Coliseum tonight. <laughs> you mean, like with my band. Oh my oh, no. God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you know, and if you want to come, I mean, it's a I think I could get you in and hang out. Yeah, no, I was awful. I mean, just I, But were you guys were you guys were you guys shocked by the success of the second record after having the first you, one well, being oh, completely great question? Yeah. Great question. Here's and here's an answer to that. Our first LA trip, we're playing the Troubadour Club yeah. a week. Great, great venue. I mean, that's one of my favorite uh, music venues, if not yeah. the most legendary in Los Angeles. Yeah, so for sure. So that's where we're booked. That's our first gig at, out there. And the band, I don't know when you're inside of a, a, a tornado or a hurricane, you're in the eye. It's calm. You have no idea what's going on. Yeah, good, so, good point. So it's like it's happening. So they book us Wednesday night in Minneapolis at this like 15,000 place. And I'm yelling at this, this like manager du jour. I'm going, what have you done? It's going to be five people. We're playing a club in Los Angeles and you have us booked in this 15,000 seat place on a Wednesday night in Minnesota. Are you crazy? There's going to be no one there. So we drive in parking lots completely full. So I'm wow. thinking there's a sporting event, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or nearby. It's, it's got to be something. Yeah. And then I see the opening act is, is, is a guy named John Denver. No one had heard of him. He's the opening act. And then I look out further, the place is completely sold out on a Wednesday night. That's how big and how fast the band got, you know, was that successful overnight. And we, we had no idea. So that's it's, the answer. Which is a great answer, but it's yeah. like, you know, so like how different was, I mean, because it sounds like that first record is all Al with everybody it else's is. input. It's Al and a, and, and, and a very significantly talented uh, producer. The guy named John Simon, who had a lot to do with, with the album. How does it, how do you feel listening to that, to the, to who came up with, by the way, cause Jeremiah and I were talking, who came up with child, his father to the man who came Al, up with the title. Al, Al, Al. It was all Al. So this isn't Al. even a blood, sweat and tears record. This is an Al Cooper record. Well, well, no, because, because the players had, sure, had sure, sure. Had, had but you know what players. I'm saying? Like the vision, he, this, this, it's in a sense, like this is almost like his Sergeant Pepper. Do you know no, what I mean? No, no, we were, you know, he was influenced. We all heard, heard those albums. They were sure. amazing like you know, Pet Sounds. I mean, incredible records. Brilliant. And, yeah. So, so, um, and, and they opened the, the door to like record making being an art where you can actually just whatever you can imagine, if you can record it, let's try it. Yeah. And also when you have four horns, 
it's not like, okay, let's play. You got to arrange. And that was the magic of the band. You know, Fred Lipsius was, was at that time the primary arranger and John Simon did some, Al did some stuff. And, and those arrangements were interesting, but I remember playing for his fundraiser and he said, you know, and he said, okay, okay, here's the song we're going to do. Here's how it goes. He starts going, ding, 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 ding. And I was going, I'm expecting to hear James Brown. It's a man's man's world. Because it's that's it's the same. It's slower, but it's the same changes. And all of a sudden he goes, if I ever leave, I go, I stop. I go, isn't this a James Brown song? He goes, no, 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 no. This is the thing I wrote. This little I go, okay, you know. I mean, it was just fun to, to just to be part of that. But it was Al. This is really Al's. Uh, and he chose and he chose right. the covers, too, because, I mean, if I'm wrong, no, 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 like you well, got a, there's a Harry Nielsen song, or uh, uh, Carol yeah. King or Randy oh, Newman. Yeah. Am I wrong or please? No, 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 no. Um, uh, I'm in the building with Al, mm-hmm. the building being BlackRock with CBS Records. In and, in New York City or in um, in New in, York, in New York. In New York. Okay. Now, 52nd Street and 6th Avenue. And we go up to the art department. John Berg is the guy's name. Brilliant guy. And we walk in and Al sees a black and white photo of a guy named Al Algashite. Is his name. Is it tight? It's oh, like, God bless you. Yeah. yeah exactly. Gashite. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, hang on. It's coming again. Gashite. <laughs> Gashite. Another one. So, so and it's a picture of a, an older, bald guy with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, a kid on his lap, and he shrinks his head with the cigarette on the kid's shoulders. And Al sees it and goes, I want that as a cover. Just like that. And, and some of the fun parts, the, the, the inside baseball stuff, if yeah. you look at that cover carefully, um, Don Hunstein is the name of the photographer. He was a CBS Records photographer, one again, another great guy. Yeah. And he and he puts down the black paper back and on the ground where we're going to be seated with a black background, right? Yeah. And and they bring in these kids, but it had rained really badly that day. So Don's explaining, everyone, wipe your shoes. It's really important to wipe your shoes. Yeah, it's gotta be you don't want to. Otherwise, it's gonna be all over the black thing. Yeah. Okay. And I have a little girl on my lap. Everyone else has little boys. We're all set and we go, wait a minute, Randy's not here yet. Wait, wait, let's wait for Randy. Oh, sorry, guys, he comes in late. He he, he wiped shoes, he didn't hear anything about that. Mm -hmm. Look at the album cover carefully. I'm looking at it, it's so, I didn't even notice this. (laughs) And and he's on your right in the front. Yeah. And look around his feet. There are all these yellow scuff marks everywhere. Yeah, I see that. Like, so these are the days when they didn't really care much about like color correction or Photoshop, you know, didn't exist. They said, just next. I mean, no one figured this thing was going to be success. Next. So that's the the photo untouched. So there are all these yellow, and they're yellow scuff marks. They should be gray. Yeah. White, but everything's yellow. We're all yellow. I mean, it's so weird. It would, but it was still a fun cover. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, dude, that yeah, <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I didn't get to see it until this moment. I mean, I saw it on my Spotify, and I was yeah. just like, oh, they're just. 
I just thought it was like, I thought this was every member of the band. And then I didn't realize <laughs> they're the kids with your, I mean, it's genius. It's weird. It yeah, really, it's, it's cool. It's, yeah. It goes with the record. I'll tell you that Absolutely. much, man. Yeah, it, it really it, it does. It was throwing dice. It was having fun. No, you know, let's just have a good time and, and try different shit. And, 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 and that was it. And we all, you know, a lot of us had that spirit uh, to begin with. I, I know I did, certainly, because I didn't know anything about pop music. I didn't even know how to play pop music. Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. So, what did you? So then, when it when when so this ends, Al leaves. You guys retain the name. And then, um, you know what? And 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 now I look back, I should have changed the name because it's so? such a, yeah. Now it was the first time in my life I thought that because the band's completely different. The point yeah. of view is different. It's a new sounding band, new singer. The you, we get an engineer named Roy Halley. It's a genius. Listen yeah. to that record compared to Warner Brothers or RCA records. Listen to the Simon and Garfunkel records. Already, that's Roy Halley, the engineer. They used to use our album, our second album, in hi-fi stores, in stereo stores, when they're selling equipment. That's what they use to sell their amps and speakers. Amazing. It was a great sounding record. I, I cannot wait to listen to this next record uh, as soon as we're done with this, because yeah. I, I want to I'm going to try to I want to hear the the difference between both. It, oh, it's just completely different. I mean, I mean and sales wise, too. I mean, well, you went from broke to fucking <laughs> hanging out with everybody, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful we time. Woodstock. Because that we're gonna get. I wanted to end. That. I wanted to end on Woodstock. I wanted to end. Well, because I still okay, want to cool, ask cool. some more questions about. I know we've got. We're we're at the hour now. Just a few more minutes, dude. Bobby, I'm I, fine. I can't you can tell you, dude. As you want. If you pay your rent, we can keep be, I can't tell you how I always get super nervous when I talk to people that are a part of the record. If it's somebody like we've had Kim Thail from Soundgarden, the guitarist, I could speak about Soundgarden for hours yeah. and you just made me so comfortable in the first 10 seconds. I was like, Oh, this dude, you said you hung out with Billy Crystal. You don't hang out with comics. People if you're all, not, if you don't get it, they're all my friends. I mean, to yeah. this day, my, yeah. I, I call Billy, I call Billy on the 75th uh, birthday. Yeah. So I call him to say, you know, say happy birthday. He gets on the phone. Well, first it's his wife. Janice is wonderful. I said, hey, honey, can I speak to Billy? Well, we, you know, kind of slept in a little late. It was like, it was 9.30. I said, oh, I, I just want to say hi. You know, happy birthday. She goes, yeah, hang on. He, he gets on the phone. I only got 20 minutes. I said, I don't have that much to say. And we start talking <laughs> about bullshit, which you're always yeah. cool. And then it, something reminded me. I said, you know what, Billy? If you want to hang up, Dr. Joyce Brothers, years ago when I was a kid, she said, if you ever want to hang up on somebody, hang up while you're talking. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think that's a real... 
<laughs> um, back in the day when you could do that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you can do it now. On a, on a mobile, signal. Just to, as long as you're talking. And then when they call you back, don't pick up. The phone's fucked up, right? So, Genius. Good yeah, I know God. That was Dr. Joyce Brothers. So I tell Billy, I said, anytime you want to bail, that's all you got to do. He says, great. So we talk for another 10, 15 minutes. I remind him of some like really funny shit that happened between the two of us. Yeah. Time, at the very end of the conversation, he goes, oh, I'm sorry. One more thing. I said, go ahead. And he hangs up. Uh, yeah. He gets the joke. But he's, 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 he's you know, course. a legend. A legend of comedy, a legend yeah. of comedy. Genius. So, so amazing. So are right, so you so you get this first record, Al Cooper. You know the band. You're excited. You guys are young. It's different. It is. Yeah. It really is different, man. Yeah. And I, and that's why I vibed with it. Um, how did you guys decide to go in this new direction? Well, where you're going to, I mean, well, ultimately you're, you know, I mean, of course you're not like, we're going to, we're going to go quadruple platinum. We're going to win album of the year, which is like hard to do, you know, unless you're Bob Dylan and then they and just then, fucking and, give it to him. And then we're going to headline Woodstock. So and you're going to headline Woodstock. Which we, okay. Yeah. And then we'll get to all that stuff. So, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. so what happens is Al's gone. I'm now the band leader and I have a meeting with everyone. And I said, look, Five supporting us. He's been great. Uh, we're going to make another record. A lot of the record we were going to make were holdovers from the Al Cooper days. Like you, like like you may be so very happy. Is the song Hal found? These are. It was already a hit on Motown. You know, even before he heard it. So so he. You know, like smiling faces was something we were doing with him, and then we just extended stuff because we didn't have a lot of material. And then I explained to the band, I said, look, I'm going to try and find, we're going to find songs we all like. And they looked at me like, good luck. How are you going to find mm -hmm. anything we all, we come from such different, varied backgrounds musically, you'll never find everything. And I said, well, so Steve, and I, Steve Katz and I, our pals, we're hanging out, mm -hmm. and he's playing Eric Satie in his house. I said, God, it's beautiful. He says, yeah, this is on Durham Records. A division of London record. And I'm listening to just solo piano. It's just beautiful. Man, it's great. So I come into the next band meeting with that record. And I play the Satie piece. And I also, I love Billy Holiday. So I bring in you know, one of my favorite all-time songs called Gobba's the Child. Yeah. And I bring that in. And I said, anyone not like these? And they're going, well, that's not fair. That, you know, like, that's ridiculous. You know, of course we like these. And I said, well, that's my point. And they said, yeah, we can't do these songs. And I said, well, that's the difference between us and the rest of the bands out there. We can do these. Yeah. That's the difference. With we're that talented. Personnel, we're that, yeah, we, we, we know music. Yeah, I love no, that. And, no, and we're versatile. And we can write arrangements yeah. that are going to be unique to our band. That's what's going to really differentiate us with the rest of the pack. And again, not thinking of success. You don't like, come in with Eric Satie and Gabbard Suchiles and it's number one record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it just, you know, interesting things to do. And sure. then, we, you know, put a bunch of different things together. Al also had more and more that he had arranged with Fred Lipsius. It was a great blues song. And it's okay. And of course, the difference is we got David Clayton Thomas. That's a weapon. That guy can sing. I mean, if you, if you hear him sing more and more and, and, and God is a child and I love you more than you have. And it's like, come on. So it's a whole different thing. And he was strong enough. The band, the band needed a singer that's strong. That's yeah. Not a big voice because that was the direction that I always foresaw for the band. So 
anyway, it's a really a, a completely different band. So, oh, I mean, yeah. just like looking at this, I, I dude, I'm so excited still to listen are, to this next record. Though. Still <laughs> ugly. But you know, you're a good looking guy. Come on, man. You're killing it. All right. So then, all right. So, so you guys get in there, you, you do this record, you bring in all these songs. Um, and we get a producer named James William Garcia. What, how would I know him? What is he? What is he? Is he produced? A, what has he done Chicago before that? And the, Buckingham, and the Buckingham. But we heard him do an album called Time and Charges, I think it's called, of the Buckinghams. And Steve had it. And I said, man, listen to the sound. What a great record. And then I read the liner notes. It says, arranged, written, and produced by James William Garcio. And some of these arrangements are fantastic. Yeah. I found out subsequent to hiring him toward the end of the record that it was Peter Matz that arranged a lot of that stuff and not, but it, but he put his name on it. So sure. we didn't know. So he comes as an odd guy. I liked him a lot. He was living, I'm living with my mother in the living room of, of, of a one bedroom apartment. And James doesn't even get his own room, his, his own hotel. He stays in the room with me. I'm sleeping on the floor. He's sleeping on this couch. And we're hanging out every day. And then like the Fred Lipsius would come over and he'd sit at my mom's piano and we'd do arrangements. But I was always kind of waiting for input from, from Jim Garcia. Yeah. But I figure he's thinking it's going well. Why do I have to, you know, like let's stick my nose in. That would be a philosophy I would take if things were going well. Okay. So the album's not finished and he leaves. He goes, this is a disaster. And I went, where are you going? He goes, this is, I can't stand these Tula Prima Donnas. He hated David, hated Steve. I'm out of here. Um, I, I go, whoa, where are you going? No, that's it. He bails. And he, and he actually said to me, you know, you could be a producer. You should sign this. I have something for you to sign. And then I'll execute it. And I said, no, 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 I'm in a band. I said, let's not do that now, but thanks. And he's reading a book called The, the Rich and the Super Rich every day. Big fat book. He's just reading it. Odd guy. But he was involved with getting Roy Halley, certainly involved with the album, but he leaves. So I, so I go in the studio the next day with Roy Halley, again, the engineer. I go, mm -hmm. Roy, what are we going to do? Garcio's gone. He bailed. And Roy looked at me and said, what do you mean? What are we going to do? I said, what? but he's gone. He goes, well, what do you think he did? Do you ever wonder why he said, Bobby, come in and listen? Bobby, how did that feel? Bobby, I said, yeah, well, I was the band leader. He goes, just you do produced it. You, yeah, just keep just, doing what you're doing. Just do what you've been doing. I said, all right. So I finished it, mixed it, wrote the line of notes, did everything you got to do. And that was yeah. the album. And, and, then, the and, then, and then it, and then it, became, it goes on to win album of the year. How shocked were you when, when that happened? How shocked were you? I knew you said you were shocked about the, the concert success. I'm kind of, I'm, dude, I'm, you, you got to see the movie. I'm smoking a joint. I'm getting in bed. <laughs> no, I, just got a, no. I just got a temper pedic. No. Uh, oh, good for you! Yeah, with the ergo base, so it moves and shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and, and life's, okay. life's good. Okay, so <laughs> this is great. Yeah. What's your number? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after. I'm not going to give it to these people. Oh, come on. <laughs> like, dude, dude, a four, a five. Come on. I'm about texting, dude. I have, I have stalkers. You do but not understand, Bobby. That's a reveal. You must not going to come to your house and change your bed setting. No. You'll be, oh. you'll be okay. 
Wait, are you talking about my sleep number? I don't have yes. a sleep number. This oh, isn't a sleep no. number. This is a Tempur-Pedic. I thought you wanted, I thought you wanted oh. my telephone number. Oh, no, no. I'm <laughs> talking about the number on these beds. You have, actually have. No, no. Mine is a medium hybrid queen size, but it's got an ergo base. So it moves and shit. It's crazy. What's yeah, the dude. number? I don't have a number. There's no number. Oh, I can't do King. I, in a small New Queen York apartment. Set? What is your your apartment is small enough? Well, it's not. Yeah, if it's, you get a King, you can't open your bathroom door. No, 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 no. I just the it, Queen was perfect. It was perfect. I, I don't need a King. Nobody spends the night. I wait till you king. find someone to lie next to that says got no room. I think there's enough here. I think there's more. I had a twin before, and I had girls spend the night. So. Oh, not twin, a full, a full, a full. Oh, I was okay. full. Say, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, what twin. kind of pillow do you use? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I bought pillows. Bobby, too. Are you in New York or LA? Where are you? I'm in, I'm in LA. That's what I thought. Okay. There's more Speaking space of that, there. dude, April, April, if you want to come, April 23rd, I'm doing uh, the goddamn comedy jam at the comedy store. I do that, do it there once a in month. LA? In, in LA? In LA. In LA, yeah. And if you want to come, we'll. we'll uh, oh, 23rd's a Saturday? It's Sunday. Sunday night, good. I'm good. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Okay. And then I do, and then I do my other stand-up show the next night with like David Spade, and it's just a trip, man. And and this is gonna, I'm I'm having so much fun, man. Have you I, ever I can't... seen the documentary that is called Too Funny to Fail? What, what is that? Why do I know that? Like, just write it no, down. No, I feel like I've seen it. I feel no, like you, I've you seen it. You would remember if you saw it. It's it's fantastic. Oh, it's it's about um, it's about the Dana Carvey show. That's yes, fun. of course. Yeah, Woo! it's, yeah, how it's about great. The writers, how about the writers he had for that show? I mean, it's it's no, but it, but the thing is, Steve he went Carell. he <laughs> went so far outside of the box, and then yeah. got you know. Look, I'm not gonna to bring it back to this to the album we're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. great record, but he he took it out so far out, yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. it's like that they, it's not gonna connect with everybody, and people no are way. like, well, that's not the vibe that we want. But then we talk about your follow up record. Yeah, it, it, there it is. You know what but, I mean? It's but, more focused. But, but to me, the follow-up record took more chances than the first album. First sure. album was conventional songs. We're like sure. straight ahead, simple stuff. Second album opened shit up. We changed tempos. We did all kinds of crazy arrangements to things. It was that was a more daring record as far as I was concerned. That's why I never thought it'd be successful. Really? And then it goes on to be to win album of the year. What is that like? Tell me about that experience. Well, uh, again, in the movie. There's a moment, uh, this is before the Grammys were on television. Okay. And I don't take award shows seriously because they really are television shows more than anything else. Yeah. And, and it's like, who's the most popular? I mean, like the Grammy should be, and now they have the technology. If you're eligible to vote, you shouldn't have a name of any, like you, you pick a category, best arrangement for something, and you listen to the four or five arrangements. You can't vote till you have listened in real time to all of those arrangements. And then when and no, no names, it's not a popularity contest. You just listen and you go, oh, you know what? I love this one. B. And you press B, then the name. Yeah. And then sure. you know who it is. You go, wow, that's interesting. That's a real vote. But there would be people voting just because of a name. There was like the Beastie Boys had an instrumental album out that wins best instrumental. I don't think one person knew that album was out. Yeah. And if someone had it, he probably didn't even listen to it. Sure. And it was the of the year. I'm going, well, how is that possible? It was, it's, it's, it's a popularity contest. 
And yeah. strangely enough, the American music awards, the old like Dick Clark, like version. Yeah. It, to me is more authentic because they because there are fans voting. There are people yeah. who buy records right. and put the Grammys are income. Grammys are a crock of shit. I'm not gonna say there's any there's not a crock of look, sometimes they give it to the people that deserve it. Sometimes they give it to the person that deserves it, but eight albums later, because right. like Beck deserved it for Sea Change or Odelay, and then they gave him for go. the for Morning View. No, it's great. You know, and then like we say, do Bob Dylan. So we win album of the year. I mean, look at that. Can I, not to cut you off, but, but Jared, but Jared, like you got to look. Can I tell him who's nominated? Oh yeah, please, because that's what dude, I was. Calling. This is fucking insane, dude. Second, so you have, in second place, Abbey Road. Abbey Road, one of my favorite all-time albums. Go on. Next, you, the Johnny Age, of Aquarius, Age of Aquarius. Well, I'm Age of Aquarius. Uh, Fifth Dimension. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, Nash first album. Yeah. Yeah. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah. Uh, and then Johnny Cash uh, live at San Quentin. I mean, Not bad competition. Oh my! We win. That must have blew your fucking mind. Well, we win because if you analyze it, our demographic was unlimited. We had no. Our music didn't hit a certain age. A cab right. worker, some kid will be even back. And 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 to be successful, that the fan base has to feel ownership, like they discovered you. You're yeah. theirs. They're that's my family. But once you're in a cab and the cab driver says, now there's a band I like, you're done with them. And I'm just saying <laughs> it's true. So, so we had an amazing demographic. So based on the, the reach that our music had and the fact that we were ubiquitous, you couldn't in LA, you'd go to an R&B station you're and you'd drop us a child. Jet, Jet Magazine, an African-American. Oh, I know Jet. Yeah, yeah. for sure magazine had this this uh thing it would have like the top five or top 10 songs that people would pick and spinning wheel was in the top five for weeks until they found out it wasn't ray charles singing oh wow <laughs> i'm that serious i mean how crazy is that so that, we were everywhere eric satie was on classical stations we win awards for classical arrangements we were everywhere you know and and again you know, there's a point when like the genie's out of the bottle and you can't stuff him back in. You're going, oh, yeah. this is not good. I mean, Mark Knopfler has a wonderful head of great. He's, he, he's a dear friend and has a great philosophy is that, you know, you should only sell a certain amount because your fan base, you want to keep. And as soon as they keep putting out singles and it goes a year, these people bought your album a year ago and they're hearing songs from it a year later. They're going, oh man, I'm done with this guy. That's such a fault, you know? Wow. Yeah, you get burned out on music. It just gets too much radio airplay or whatever. It's pervasive. The the thing is, Mark told me that he had a meeting with with um, uh, the Mo Austin at Warner's. He was signed to like Polygram or something overseas, but here it was Warner's. So he he told me that he he's about to have a meeting with with Mo. I said, "Oh, cool." You see, I'm going to tell him to stop selling out our record. I said. What are you crazy? He goes, no, it explains why his philosophy and it actually makes sense. Yeah. Now you're right. Demand. You're right. I mean, people are always like, oh, I liked them when they weren't, you know, back then yeah. when they were blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I, I categorize people in like there's one side. I like the first album better. And then, yeah, the yeah. Us, and yeah. then the rest of us. The first album, they never heard the first album. Yeah, until, right. It's like, I saw you at Woodstock. Okay. So, yeah, tell us, take take us all through that. Well, let's oh, end on that. That's no, well, it's genius. Just, 
like I'm going to start here with, I saw you at Woodstock. So where is it when you guys go to a show? At what point when you when you go back in your seats, at what point do you lose visibility? How many rows back do you like? Uh, well, like I'm, uh, I spend the money. I, okay, I get, I, 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 but I'm also, but I'm also five, nine. So um, I like to be right. close so I can, so I don't have a six so, foot four dude in front of me. At what point are you ants? I, I mean, how many rows back? I mean, I saw I saw Clapton on the floor and I was like at the at the garden. And I think I was like, yeah, I was in row B, which is dead center. But I was yeah. like, it was he was tiny. You right. know what okay. I mean? So so when people say I saw you in Woodstock, there's a half a million people. Thank so God. think about how many people really saw us. There were no big screens. Yeah, there's no like, reinforced amplification. So it's just what was on the stage. That was it. Yeah, that, that's that's what you had. Okay, so Woodstock. Yeah, take Woodstock. us there, dude. This fucking okay. rules. <laughs> God damn, Bobby. You, I was, I texted Jared before this. I was like, right, what am I going to talk about? I was like, don't I don't know this guy. I, I listened to the record. I'm Scratching like, dude, the you're, surface. You're, you're, I'm just, you rule. Just keep going, please. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, and I've told these stories before, obviously. So, but. But they're unique in a sense. I've never heard them, and and okay, I'm your cool. audience. Fuck the people okay, that are good. listening. This is for me. Okay, cool, cool, <laughs> good. Well, that's what people always say. You should write a book. I said no. I have I have more fun telling stories to people that want to listen to it. Yeah. So it's no, a, I get it's that. a whole other story. Anyway, so we're playing at um, the Carousel in Massachusetts, big venue. Yeah. Well, all the venues at that. Point were big. They're all we, big. What do you what do you when you say that? What do you mean? Like you're talking like five thousand, ten thousand, yeah, yeah. or okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So you guys are like, you guys are fucking. Oh, no, up no, there. no. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm our album's number one. This is the, and Mike Lang and Artie Kornfeld, the guys who who put together what became Woodstock. They came to us very early on because we were the number one band in the world at that moment. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when you can get the, like the number one band, it gets easier to get other. Artists oh yeah, on. Oh, I've got how, you. I've got you too. Anyone interested in doing? That's any- how I. That's how the jam <laughs> took off. The first <laughs> show, I got Bill Burr on it, and and All then right. Bill did the second one. At, dude, I could book anybody after that's ex- that. that that's yeah, how for sure. Is for sure. All you have to why at him. Oh, in that case, I'm on board. Exactly. Know? He clears the bar anyway. So okay. So so Mike Lang and Artie. They call and I, I'm I'm the band leader, so I hear there's a gig going to be up there. So yeah, okay, let's take it because it's right after Massachusetts. We could drive, great logistics, no problem. Okay, so we're playing at the carousel, and after the gig, um, uh, Diana Ross, and I'm always blank on her name. It's horrible that I do this. Like another singer of note. They come, say hello to the band, and say, by the way, do you hear what's going on in New York? They go, no, what? Oh, it's like riots. It's, it's all these hundreds of thousands of people for this concert, and it's upstate. And I go, wait a minute, we're going there. We're going there tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be. I say, oh, shit. Oh, this is going to be a drag. Oh, yeah, and they're saying all the roads are blocked and all that. So, oh, man, scared the bejesus out of me. And go, oh, all right. We drive right in. Because everyone is so terrible. It already rained. It was Sunday night. And it, w- it was already like everyone's already like like this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so, so we show up backstage. We drive right in. Two of the members of the band 
of Blood, Sweat, and Tears wrote books, David and Steve, singer, guitar. Both of them said that we took helicopters. We didn't take helicopters. You drove right in. We drove in. And I, like, I, I called Steve up. I go, where'd you get, get the helicopter? Oh, I thought, I said, no, that was other people. Yeah. We drove. And we drove home. We were like out of there in a minute. Okay, great. So we come in. Here's the story. As I, as I remember, okay. I'm not a big weed smoker. I was never just like, if I couldn't sleep, I would ask someone for hitting the Sure. Yeah. Clock clock out. Yeah. That's, a, that's when I smoke. Yeah, yeah. Jeremiah, on the other hand, he's in Hawaii. So all, all day, day long. long. That's, that's all he does. He's nominated. He's, he's nominated. Like, look, look at his little, little dude. You know what? He's laughing out of context. That's how yeah. you, <laughs> you should have seen him a couple of weeks ago. He, he was late for a podcast taping and he showed up like he was in Depeche mode. He was in this weird... <laughs> Like I was like, what are you? What is going on? Are you God? <laughs> what happens? Those black fingernails. What yeah, happened? He, he looks, he looks right. ridiculous. That's nice. Okay, so so we drive right in. It had rained already, so it's nothing but mud, and we're backstage. I have no idea what's going on in the front. No idea, and I'm standing on these wooden planks. I'm just standing around, and there's like a line of cops, uh, just maybe ten feet away from me, like to my yeah. right. There's you know like lined up. And some guy says, Hey man, you okay? I said, no, we're fine. Go Sorry for the delay. It's okay. Don't worry. Hey man, you want a, a, a joint? I said, no, no, it's okay. And I'm thinking the cops are standing right there. And I look at the cops and their palms up. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Right. Like, and I'm going, it's cool. And they go, so now I have to smoke because the fact. Yeah. And, oh, and yeah. I do a Clinton. And, I mean, I do a Clinton. I'm just puffing away. I mean, I'm not, dude, I'm just puffing, puffing, puffing because I can. It's like crazy. Hey, man, you okay? No, I'm fine. Here's another one. Okay. And so I, you know, it's an hour and a half of standing on, on these planks of wood and people coming up to me saying, are you okay? And handing me joints. At this point, I see our roadie and he's approaching me like this. Slow motion. Oh, no. That's what I'm seeing. <laughs> and he comes up to me, and his eyes are like the eyes, eyes on a little doll with the pupils. When you shake it, they go like this, right? Yeah, yeah. His eyes are like this. I'm going, uh-uh. And he goes, you're on. I went, oh, God. <laughs> and I looked down, and I start counting 11 joints. I had smoked 11 oh, joints. You oh, you idiot. <laughs> God, I get it, but, you yeah, know, I'm come going, on, man. Well, this is back in the day, so that, that no, was No, 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 back in the day, weed. you could smoke yeah, 30 you, of them. 35, yeah. Right, right, right. But hence why <laughs> Steve thought he took a helicopter. Right. <laughs> exactly. So I'm counting. I'm counting. Oh, fuck me. This is a lot of. Okay, so I go toward the stage. And there's no monitor. Oh, shit. In other words, there's a horn section a quarter of a mile ahead of me. There are amps of guitars another quarter of a mile on, on the right side. There's a singer somewhere I can see, like, in the distance. And I'm in the back. And I turn around, and there's a rogues gallery of drummers going, let's check out this Columbia. Let's check his shit out. I'm going, oh, no. Oh, no. And I'm sitting there going, oh, fuck. And while they're trying to bring down a monitor, they're taking a horn from the stack that's going out to a half a million people. They take a horn down, which is the size of your, your building, yeah. and they put it on these anvil cases next to my head. And before they wire it, I'm just standing there, and I just tap the snare drum like this. And it goes, and I hear. Yeah. 
and I'm high. I'm going, I'm thinking I'm really good. <laughs> I, I'm a hell of a drummer. You, you check that shit out. Check this out. Right? So, so, now, so now I'm sitting there. They wire it up. I count off, I count off the first song. With my sticks. One, it almost knocks me off. The thing is still wired for half a million people, except it's right next to my head. Oh my oh. God. And then, God, you gotta move against the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played the first quarter of the gig like this, you know, I was like insane. But so we do a song that's on the first album that's called Just One Smile. Great song. With a tambourine in my hand. It begins. Boom ch boom boom ch boom ch sticks. Bum, bum, boom, singer supposed to sing right there. Where's David? He's standing next to me. He took acid. Oh my God. And he says to me, Isn't this a beautiful arrangement? Sing! Sing the arrangement. Go out there and sing. This is this is Woodstock. So again, luckily he, everybody else was fucked up too. So who gives a shit? So we so we don't know the the, the extent of the enormity of this cultural moment, it's a crowded gig. Yeah. And we drive away to do other gigs. And, and you know, it was now, now Albert Grossman, to me, was the best manager. He, he, he and Brian Epstein were the shit. Yeah. And Albert had Janis Joplin, Dylan, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary, the band, I can go on. He, he, had, he had a wonderful Ross and Odetta. That's how I know. And he's standing there, and they go up to him, and our manager idolizes him. He's kind of hanging there. And they say to Albert, hey, listen, we're going to film this. He said, uh, and at that time, you don't realize, right now, the, the star of your movie is going to be Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Hendrix and Janis Joplin. Those are the stars. I mean, the rest of the acts were, you know, you heard of them and they did things here and there, but they weren't selling albums like, 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 like we were certainly yeah. in yeah. a completely different league than anybody. But it was like this, this, this event, we didn't know it was just crowded. And a lot of people were pretty stoned. And they're buzzing me to keep that thought. I just got to let the guy in. Hold on. Okay. Oh, it's a, it's a, a story. Uh, hey, Jeremiah. Yeah. If he doesn't come back, it's a stalker. So you may have to finish. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't have given the number out. I know. That's I didn't. I guess it's five. Fine. Come on. What did I miss? Like it, it's okay, baby. No, I said in case you don't come back, it's a stalker because we gave him the five. <laughs> Josh is not dead. No, I'm dead. Yeah. Just same. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. I had a stalker in Las Vegas. Black, chill. Sure. Hold on. I can't do that. I mean, my dogs, I yell and, and they laugh at me. <laughs> I'm serious. They go, right. <laughs> bark, bark. <laughs> so, What'd you get? Yeah, I, ordered, I ordered these pants months ago. <laughs> they finally came. Nice. I'm excited. Yeah, it's a big day. <laughs> what were you saying? Pants? 
their their cargo, their their camo cargos. It's I'm, I've got it because living in New York, now. It, it's never went away. It, living in New York, and I think you'll understand this, Bobby, is that you don't get this, JT. I have you these know, at Columbia pants. They're called yeah, yeah. I've been wearing them for years, and now they're cool. Yeah, but, but I wore those for years and years. I have like four of them. Yeah, and they're, so, and they're expensive. They cost about nine dollars or something. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> these are a little bit more expensive. These are about three hundred. But here's the thing: what? in New York, I know. Well, I here's you the spend deal. Spend so much on pants. I, I just money's not real. Sure, and I can't sure take it's it. Not with a big me. deal. But pants, yeah. Well, now my some of my flannels. Woo! What I'm trying to say is, you live in New York. I lived in L.A. for fourteen years, where really? you know. Yeah, man, I lived on on Beachwood, Beachwood Canyon. You can wear the same clothing all year. Yeah, you can wear you can wear no, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. You can yeah. wear a flannel at night. You can you can mix up the outfit in New York in the summer. You are it's t shirt and jeans because or t shirt and pants because it's so it's humid. Who stays so in New York in the summer? I have to because I well I'm actually I'm on the road most of the summer now. But the moral of that story is I beefed up my pants selection so I could continue to wear white and black T-shirts, but with different pants. Uh, and I'm 43. So if I spend money on these pants, I can keep them forever. Good for that. By spend that. money, by, by spend money, you mean dry clean them or? or No, just I, well, you, I, I never dry. I never dry anything. Pants, I barely wash. If they're denim, I don't wash them at all. I so put them in the freezer. Everything. Hang everything. And I've got a little, I got these Asian, this Asian couple that does all my laundry. I actually just dropped off uh, my laundry really? today. That's shocking. And, and dude, you, come on, man. Fluff and fold. Come on, Bobby. Fluff and fold. You haven't done it. They don't do that in LA. With I, gotta fluff tell and you, fold. I have to tell you a story. If you have time, this is. Go, please, dude. I'm oh, this way. Record. Okay. So my brother, Harry Columbia, who passed away on Christmas a couple of years ago. Brilliant guy. I mean, monk. Eaton, I can go on. He's a genius. Wrote a lot of television shows. Wrote with Barry Levinson. Wrote with Damn. An, an amazing guy. And he made money, and his wife wanted a place in New York City. He never went, ever. He would never go. But he had a place on 70th, 885th Avenue, between 70th and 69th, fourth floor, overlooking the park. Wow. And I would say to him, you know, Harry, I could, you know, I want to stay at your joint. And he goes, you can't. I said, what do you mean? It's a co-op. I said, your brother. He goes, no, only parents and children. I thought he was fucking with me. So I called the management company, Harris Brown, and said, listen, I'm thinking of, you know, getting a place at 880, but what are the rules about guests staying at your place? And he wasn't lying. It was parents or children. So I said, well, just tell them I'm your kid. You're never there. Yeah, They're never there. They won't know. He goes, I guess we can get away with this. Great. But be careful of what? On our floor, the fourth floor, on one side is a woman that's kind of a complainer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other side is the, the head of the condo board, and they call him the admiral. And I guess he was in World War II because he always wears this meds, an older guy. And I went, okay, I haven't, I've never seen that guy. But I stayed there all the time when I was in New York. And everyone knows me as Harry's kid. Yeah. This goes on. So I'm there with my wife for about a week or something. And I decide I'm going to do the laundry. So I, I take the basket and I throw all our shit in there. And I go down to the basement, go to the basement with a handful of quarters. And there are a lot of Jamaican women that work in that building. A lot of gold teeth. Yeah. And, 
and I'm going, hi, how you doing? Yeah, man. Hi. Um, can I use this dryer? No, that lily dryer, you don't use that. Oh, okay. Can I go over there? No, you know that I belong. And they're like thinking that I have that I'm that I'm gonna take their gig. And they are pissed off at me. And they don't like I'm trying to be, you know, Mr. Ha happy, nice guy, and it ain't working. So I go back up and my wife's there. She goes, What happened? I go, I'm scared shitless. They're gonna fucking knife me. These <laughs> women are gonna kill me. I, I I can't do I can't do this. She goes, Are you are you serious? What, what, what kind of a pussy? I know I'm telling you, they're gonna fucking kill me. I'll do it like later. So I go down late at night and they're obviously they aren't there. And I do the laundry. I thought I do the drying, go up and down. I fold it on the tables, I, you know, make it nice. And I put it in the basket and it stops on the main floor. In walks an old guy and I'm going with medals. I go, that's the Admiral. It's gotta be the Admiral. Let's see what happens. So we go up to the fourth floor. He gets out. It's him. I get out. He goes to his place uh, to my left. I go straight ahead. He turns and looks at me with my jeans and T-shirt and laundry. And he says, are you in there? I said, yes. He said, they're lucky to have you. God bless your soul. God bless you got your away with it. Soul. No, he thought I was a maid. He thought, yeah, he, dude. He, uh, he, they're lucky he, to have you. Uh, okay, thank you. And then, and then. And then I go up the next day, and there's a woman in the elevator with me with two kids. And they get off on the fourth floor, and I go, that's, that's, the, that's the complainer woman, I guess. And I go, which one of you plays the piano? And, and the girl says, I do. I said, you're very good. I hear you practicing. And the mother says, no, that's our teacher. I said, no, I think it's her. She had a light touch. She's a really good player. And the little boy says, I play the drums. I said, you do? He says, yes, and I have a drum set. You want to see? I said, sure. And the, and, and the mother's just going, oh, where's this going? So I go in and he shows me his drum set. I go, good. And I go, how do you do this? And the kid starts, the kid can't play at all. And he's like showing me like, here, you got to yeah. do this. And I'm like spazzing out with all four limbs playing simultaneously. And then he turns his head and I go, and I go back to this. He turns back, what was that? I go, this is fun, but how do you do different things? He goes, well, you have to do this and this. And, and he's like doing things. And he walks out of the room for a second. I go, and he comes back in. I go, well, I'm back to spazzing. Yeah. He doesn't know what's going on. And the mother comes in. Now I start playing. And the mother goes, she's freaked. And I go, your kid's a great teacher. <laughs> so now yeah, you get it dude so now you, i've got you get it so now i've got the admiral and the complainer on my side so i called my brother i said we are in like flynn don't worry it's all good yeah and this building's divided in half with a lot of staff and this one guy who's designated when you show up in a taxi he opens the door he has your luggage there's another guy then who spins like the revolving door for you and, and and the other guy takes your luggage and there's another guy who takes it. It's unbelievable how many people they have where. So one day I come in late and they said, how's your dad? And I said, oh, he's still dead. Forgetting. Oh. And, you know, you shit travels fast in those oh, buildings. Right. Yeah. Go, oh, man. So the next morning I get up and I'm finding anyone I can find saying, oh, my dad says hi. 
and they give me the look like hi and i go no no i said i was dead tired he obviously didn't hear me yeah, yeah i'm going yeah. through this thing so i so called my brother i said listen if you come to new york should you come to new york and the guy who's doing the revolving door faints it's the one guy I didn't get to. <laughs> God damn, This is dude. a Larry David. This is a Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, my life is, is, is very similar. It's yeah. all Jews. No, that's all Jews. It's not, dude, Jeremiah, you don't get it. It's all Jewish people. We all live in a world of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. And that's why everybody loves it. Because they don't get they 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 have little like we all have like yeah that guy annoys me or this thing that this person does annoys me but but Jews just dude that's why we rule we're annoying <laughs> yeah. people very we're much annoying. so annoying and 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 we're we're really strange people uh, very strange you know um I do have to take off because I got to oh, be somewhere I got to eat lunch and I got to be somewhere no no hear me out hear me out. Okay, I, okay. I I could talk to you. Uh, you're going to come on again. We'll do another Please. record. We'd love to have you back on. And 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 as soon as I hit stop, when he hit stop on the recording, we're going to exchange numbers. And I'm you're coming oh, yeah. on the 23rd. I'm actually going to see if Burr uh, will come and play on the 23rd because he'll he get plays his drums. drums. He plays he's the drums. Yeah, yeah and know, he's he he's he jams with me all the time, and that's how we became friends. And I think he would get a kick out of like just. I mean, dude, you yeah, get it. Yeah, you yeah. get it. Yeah. So I I gotta ask you these questions because we ask every. Everybody on Shoot. the podcast. Shoot. All right. So what is your favorite song off of uh, Child is the Father to Man? What's your favorite song on that record? I love you more than you ever know. It's so good, man. Really? So there, it really so listen, just... to, listen to the Amy Winehouse version Ooh. and listen to the Donny Hathaway version, which was the one that most people heard. And now you'll know why I thought it's a good idea to get a, a better lead singer. Yeah. Yeah. It changed, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very yeah. excited Donnie to listen Hathaway to the next record. And Amy Winehouse both do I Love You More Than You Ever Know. All and right. Then, second okay. question. Second question. Yeah. I, I'm curious to find out your answer. What yeah. song, when you put this record on, do you just go, ah, I can't listen to it anymore? And you skip I never, over. I never listen to that record, period. Oh, but wow. I guarantee. No, I never did. I mean, when we moved on, we moved. You know, yeah. Like, like as a comedian, you go out and you have you have a routine, but you don't listen to routines you did five years ago or 10 years ago. I mean, you move on. You're looking for stuff. You're observational. You're, you know, so so life keeps forward keeps moving. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't spend I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time like I didn't wear out that album because I have a thing. You know, something's out of pitch. It just it kind of gives me the willies. Sure. And 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 and, and there are moments on that album that are kind of funky, you know, so. So is there one song that you're just like that even yes. when you're recording it? I don't which, know the which, name of it. I, I wasn't <laughs> good, there. Fuck it. Fuck no, no, it. I, no, I wasn't there. It was, it was the one Al did with a string quartet about a psychiatrist, Diogenes, whatever the hell it's called. I have no idea what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, can you fuck to that album? To this album no. in particular? You don't think you could fuck to it? Not well, a you, chance. You're, yeah, but you'd hear your playing and be like, hey, I missed that. No, because <laughs> like, can you fuck to hearing another comedian? It's not a chance. No, but that's different. Nobody puts well, no, on comedy and fucks. We no, put on it music. isn't. You're analyzing what the guy's saying right. in the reaction. Sure. I'm analyzing. I can't. I turn off music when I'm in that place. Not because me. It, it's so distracted. Even when I get massages and they play that that insane shit, I go, can you turn it off? Yeah. 
exactly. <laughs> All right. What what would be Bobby? What would be your elevator pitch to get someone to listen to this record? Not not any other blood, sweat, and tears, but just this record. What would you say to them to be like? You got to check this out because. Uh, innovative, really different. Uh, you can't compare it to anything. I completely agree. I, I was, I, I mean, this no, sincerely. No, no. no, that's if, if, if I press three, if I press 19, I got a longer rap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, dude, I, I had such a, it's, I had such a fun experience talking to you today. I, I mean, this well, sincerely, dude. This Stay is, here. this is, a, this is the reason Stay I here. do the podcast. Yeah. Uh, because you meet you, people that are, that are as silly as you are. Yeah, well, you don't understand. Me, me and Jer have had, had moments where it's such a big undertaking and I'm like, ah, do I want to keep uh, doing it? Are we doing this? And then we do an episode like this. And then we have fucking uh, Al Franken, former Senator Al Franken on to talk about Grateful Dead. And it just, it really he, does, man. It really does make it worthwhile. Geni- if he's a genius, I mean, if, if A, he's a Harvard guy. Yeah. B, I mean, this is a smart, brilliant, funny man. And, Very. and, and his his book, uh is is fantastic if, if uh, you well, i haven't read it, it but i've performed with really, him at the comedy cellar a bunch and to be able to sit down and talk to him was just yeah, yeah. it was, that's, it was a a whole other, that's a whole other level i mean to to be a comedian first of all the balls you have to have to do that is sure. unbelievable unbelievable to me well i think like, it's I the have, same thing it's the same thing as being a musician or writing songs like you're the whole lot is Nah, because dude, you're especially like a songwriter, like you're going up there and you're and you know, if you're playing, you're you know, they always say, you know, play what you know and play from your heart, and you're it's a lot of unveiling. Well, well I know? have another I I I mean I used to be, I told you on Entertainment Tonight, I was a music reporter. Yeah. So I would interview everybody. And usually because they had a hit record, that's why I'm in the room with them. Yeah. And I would ask a question for myself and say, How long did it take you to write like yesterday's? Like, how long did it take you to write, uh, 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 you know, like the biggest hit ever? And they, this is the exact answer every time. It's funny you asked that. That one kind of wrote itself. They're like yeah. 10 minutes, maybe. It was like, <laughs> it's if you stay out of your way as a comedian, if you stay out of your way as a songwriter and allow it to come through and stop editing yourself into oblivion yeah. and second guessing everything you do, What's coming through you is the shit. That's yeah. the answer. And Completely. you just do it. Albert Brooks, for you know, when he opened for us, he had one thing that didn't work. Every night it did not work. He was the funniest guy I've ever met in my life. A genius. I mean, really. And but one of his things wouldn't work. And I would say, Albert, that thing, that that thing, he goes, No, it's me, it's me, it's not the joke. I go, well, it's the joke. No, no, it's me. It's me. And he would do it night after night after night. It wouldn't work. He's thinking about it. He's trying all these circuitous roots to get it out there. It's just not, you know, it wasn't visceral. Yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah. Uh, promote it away. Anything you want to promote, uh, whatever you got. Please talk about it for a second. No, but I want you to see the movie. I'm going to watch it tonight, dude. Chill. Stop okay. yelling at me. Okay. No, no, I'm not yelling. <laughs> I know. I'm being, being that's funny. not me. No, that, no, that's my inner voice when I get really pissed <laughs> no, no, But honestly, um, when I saw it, I mean, I'm in the middle of the damn thing. It was, it was amazing to me. Because they, every documentary, it's not a documentary, by the way. It's a political thriller, full feature. 
uh, nonfiction and the and and ironically, the the like the actors aren't actors. That's the way you describe the movie. It's, it's not a music doc. You'll see when you see it. And we'll exchange the numbers. You'll call me late at night because it's cool yes. because you'll be like one in the morning. I'll be you know nine. Yeah, so you, I know. You can call me after watching it. You go, hey, dude. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun, dude. Fuck, yeah. I'm so excited. What's the title of it so everybody else can hear it? Well, I had a dinner with a film director named John Scheinfeld. It's terrific. Who did Chasing Train? Harry Nielsen, U.S. versus Lenin. He did some. He has a great body of work. And in the middle of it, he said, "I was such a fan of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. What the hell happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears? That's what it's called. What the hell happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears?" Oh my God. I'm so stoked, dude. I'm so unbelievably stoked. It's so not what you think it's going to be. I'm I'm really stoked. I had such a great time talking to you today. Like I can't, I can't stress that enough. Um, Thank you so much for coming on brother. It was my pleasure. Are you kidding? This was great. What I tell you, everybody, the one and only Bobby Columby. Go to the website, budsweatandtears.com, the website, thecolumbygroup.com, and watch the documentary, What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Uh, it was great. And uh, for new music, we have Doug Cosmo Clifford, and you're listening to the song Purple Mountain featuring Bobby Whitlock off his album, California Gold. Find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you want your song played, send it to us and we will play it. 500 podcast at gmail.com gets your song on the pod. Next week, it's Ray Charles as we're going through the 1959 record, The Genius of Ray Charles. Do your homework. Thanks for tuning in, guys.
Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaking microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriole, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. Next Chapter Podcasts.